Welcome back to the Married to Music Podcast. We is your Bizak, Bizak, Bizak. Big back. And today we got a special guest we're going to get to in a little minute. You know what I'm saying? We but do. Yeah, I know we're going to cover all the bases, music, money, and marriage. And marriage. And you know what? What? Happy New Year, you guys. I don't think you can keep saying that. We, this is our New Year episode. It is January the 9th. It nah, man. After the 7th. They the say day. after January 7th, you can't keep saying Happy New Year. But People will be, what? it'll be June. It'll be like Happy New Year, bruh. No, on, not man. June, but we eight months. considering that this is our first episode of the New Year, okay. we, it, would be, it would be crazy not to tell our guests Happy New Year. Like, you are blessed to see a new year. You're here with us. We are so happy that you're here with us, and we hope you have a blessed and prosperous 2022. That's a fact. Let's kick this year off what? With, with magic. With sound of, There we go. Let's what kick up? this year off with sound effects. We ain't having no sound effects today, y'all. <laughs> oh, my mama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Today's so, going to be a good day. That's a fact. What we, uh, what, we get, what we got for the people today? Today, we have a super special guest. Yeah. We're going to be talking about, well, she's a lawyer. We're going to be talking about contracts and um, contract red flags and like what to look for when you're looking for an, an attorney, an entertainment attorney. Mm. I mean, like everything contract related as an independent artist, this episode is for you. That's a fact, man, because I know I get a lot of people. Somebody just asked me the other day, yo, Wavy, uh, this is a record label emailed me, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> They want to fly me out and sign me and stuff. Right. And I'm like, they want the contract oh, no. signed by tomorrow. You know, look, look, I, we all need help on this. This you is know, the area that our. We don't want to get caught up being too thirsty. Nobody want to <laughs> get caught up being too thirsty. So we're going to have a professional. She is a professional in contract law. Yeah. And um, something else. What? That my best friend. Oh. She a real bet. Got her own car. Hey. It's an E class bent. <laughs> Say that. Say it actually, that. It actually Say that. Shout out to all the big Benz bosses out in the world. You know what I'm saying? She did just get an E class bent. So I had to do that. Hey, I, I had to do that rewrite. Just, I did that rewrite just for this. Like I took I took time to think about this. I see, that's what you was up last night I, doing. I, I couldn't wait. You. I was like, that my best friend. How how can we rewrite this? <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, man. you want to bring her in? Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and get the people what they here for. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Erica Martin Lohas. Yeah. Give her an applause. <laughs> that, Zoom, that Zoom title came on. It said Professor. I was like, uh-oh, Professor. What's up, <laughs> E? How you living though? I'm good, guys. I'm good. Yo, thank you for uh, taking the time out to come and share all your knowledge with the people today. I know we going to learn a lot and have some fun while we do it. Yes. Um, so I just kind of want to start off, Erica, talking to you and kind of asking, how did you get into law? What what part of law do you, um, you kind of practice? And how did you get into that? What was your journey to get where you are right now? Okay, so real quick, I'm just going to correct y'all. Everybody flips the A and the O, so it's Lajos. We oh, are professors. What? I've been saying it wrong for years. My bad. Lajos. First of all, first of all, I feel 
crazy right now because this is my <laughs> whole best friend from childhood. Why have I been saying your new last name wrong? We're going to edit this part out. Everybody does. It's all right. It's Lajos. All right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It just, it flips. Or they say, they say Lahaz or it's, it's hard for people to, the yeah, Z yeah. is pronounced like an S, but anyway, so my journey, um, knew I wanted to practice law from young. Yeah, um, I won't yeah. go all the way back there. I but you know that- what? Hold on. I have to say this for your sake. This woman right here has, she, when you talk about like how everyone's into manifestation and she has been saying she was going to be a lawyer since we were children. We were tiny kids. And Erica said, I'm going to be a lawyer. So to, to, so for you to actually be that, I, I, I just, I love it. I love mm-hmm. that you actually made it happen. You made a plan and you saw it all the way through. So okay. all my people that's out there talking about, I ain't going to never be nothing. You ain't, no, you ain't going to never <laughs> yeah. be nothing. That's how I add up. Uh-huh. Okay. No more interruptions. Go ahead. You know, you say things and it's not until later in life they tell you about manifesting goals and dreams and you don't realize that what you're planting a seed from when you say things, mm. even from that young, first grade. So, um, yeah, I, I, I followed through and I tell you, I will tell you one thing when you have that dream and that goal from that young, when you hit bumps in the road, it's really hard because you think it's this straight path of ease. And it hasn't been. So, um, you know, as you're manifesting dreams and and I would say even merging that with marriage, just kind of expect some bumps in the road and and be okay with that because you will get to the other side of it where it's like, ah, oh, this is why and 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 this is why I went through this and and I'm all right and better for it now. Mm-hmm. And now sitting in this professor seat, I can tell this this story of my non-traditional career. So that they understand, okay, if I don't get this six-figure job as soon as I graduate, I will be okay eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, always knew this, went to a high school for law, um, went to college, Morgan State University, HBCU, took a philosophy major with a pre-law concentration there, knew it, went to law, uh, took a year, gap year, but worked in a law firm, um, where it was specifically for people who wanted to go to law school so you could do a one to three year program in either mergers and acquisitions or litigation, which is what I did. Um, White shoe law firm, watch people fail the bar left and right next to me. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be easy. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated from law school, it wasn't at all. Um, I I did a clerkship after, I always thought I wanted to do criminal and entertainment law. After my clerkship, I realized criminal was not for me. It was too much blood, too much gore. It was terrible. Family law is probably worse than that um, because people are actually, yeah, fighting over kids. Mm. Um, Family law worse than criminal law. That's that's because, you know, family law, people are still alive. You're dealing with people who are like in it, which is crazy. Being nasty to each other. And they, ooh, they lie about these kids. They lie. But anyway... Um, And then throughout this whole process, Lydia was like, it was like, all right, we're going to do this. All right, I'm going to go to law school and you're going to pursue your goals in music. And when I graduate, I'm going to be a lawyer. Like this was the plan. It was. From high school. It was. Right? Yes. 
And so we had gone to, what was it? Went to music conference in Miami. It was yes. huge, amazing. Mm -hmm. And we came up the escalator and it was, who was it? DJ Charles? DJ Charles, who is like still instrumental in my career. Got my music and yes. films and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yes. And yep. he says, we step up the escalator. We didn't know this man from a hole in the wall. And he goes, you're the lawyer and you're the singer. And we looked at each other. <laughs> I'm like, how did you what? know this? It was that essence. <laughs> it was that um, essence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so throughout, and then Lydia introduced me to who later became my mentor, Keith White. So whenever I would come up to New York, I would come to the studio with Lydia and just learn. He would sit there with contracts and just teach me because mm -hmm. one thing about law school, and, and this is what I'm pivoting into now as a professor, is actually teaching them how to draft contracts. Mm -hmm. That is not taught in law school. So you're kind of at a, at a, like a, at a negative when you graduate, if that's the field you want to go into with contract law, because there is nothing setting you up for that. So Keith mm. was super instrumental. And then in, so I graduated in 2009. I got my clerkship in 2000, um, from 2009 to 10. Can you explain and, what a, a clerkship is a little bit? Cause, um, yeah, know. so that's one of those prestigious positions that people want to get coming out of law school. You either want a clerkship or you want to go right into what they call a white shoe law firm, which is a law firm that's been around for a hundred plus years. They're playing, they're paying six figures as soon as you land. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like an internship. A clerkship, sort of. but, but you're getting paid. Though. Yeah. So the clerkship, you're working with a judge. Okay. Um, and these can go from, you know, circuit court, state level, all the way to federal clerkships. If you landed a federal clerkship, you're, you're usually in a good position to set yourself up. Um, mine was state level, but she was um, the administrative judge over three counties in Maryland. So with her, I got to do a circuit of family, criminal, and civil law. Oh, wow. And you do that for a year, and you're writing opinions, and you're sitting in court with her. And um, my judge was a Black woman. She went to um, Howard University, uh, Judge Sheila Tillerson Adams worked closely with her. She sharpened me. She was, she was no joke. And at first I was like, this lady does not like me, but it was like, no sis, like I, I know what you're going to go through in this field. You are 2% of the field, mm. black women, black lawyers. I think in total, I think we're 5%, but black women are 2%. Wow. So there's no room for, there's no room for, for you to mess up. Um, you gotta be sharp and straight and on the money. So it was her, and then it was my contract law professor, who was no joke as well, um, Mary Wright at, at North Carolina Central, and another person, I was like, oh my God, it was 100 people in the class. She called on me several times throughout that year. And I was like, I'll never practice contract law. I hate this. And <laughs> here we here are. <laughs> Love it. Here I am. So um, I, I just want to rub back to a couple of things. So one, you said that you went to a high school for law. Like, how did y'all find that? Like, I never even heard that they had a, a, a law high school. A law high school. Like, what was that like for you knowing, kind of knowing yeah. early that you wanted to get into law and then finding a, a high school that catered to that? Mm -hmm. Some of it was happenstance. So my mom, you know, I went to school, District 29 in Queens. Um, you know, I was in the, the gifted classes. And then when it came time for junior high school, the junior high school, the local junior high school, my mom was like, nah, my dad went there. My sisters went there. My mother was like, nah, for, for my little brother and me, she ended up putting us in district 26, which for me was in, 
um, Little Neck or Douglaston, Queens. Yeah. So funny, Lydia, because mom, mom actually went where you went to Wh- school. Where? Um, and you mean PS one thirty one? She went to two sixteen. Oh, she, uh, went, she went to two sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and listen, we have similar stories. My mom fought for me to get to two sixteen because our district, she did not yeah. want us in that district. She fought to get us into the better districts, and that's why I wound up even going to Cardozo with you. Because because yep. of her fight to get us out of the hood districts into the good districts. So the school Cardoza, that's that's the same school. That's the that's that the, that's the law, law school. Benjamin Cardoza yeah. was a lawyer. Oh, yeah. And, and so you was you I, was there doing what? I was there doing dance because they had okay, a dance. They had program. different programs. They, they had did. a dance program. They had a law program. Program there. Mm-hmm. Like okay. a lot of people that went there are doing really well. Yeah. In fields they came out of one of our good friends somebody who I always tout as just excellence because even in high school when the guys were super immature um Royale Ivy he just was on point really well in his career in athletics now amazing Um, and I love his wife too Cassie I love them as a as a team yeah yeah so I want to shout um, out to the parents real quick like that is so important to make sure that your kids are in the right schools and the right environments it's instrumental, like, because I have a similar situation. Like, I'm into the field. I learned how to record and make beats and do film and edit film in high school. Yeah. And this is the stuff that I'm doing today. So, like, having that earlier as possible, getting exposure to stuff like that is so, it's so dope. So important. Yeah. So, even so, when I went to 67, which was my junior high school, even then I was like in mediation and all these things, but. I didn't know that Cardozo before I went to this junior high school was this law high school. Mm-hmm. So then when it came to start applying, you know, I applied to all the specialized schools, but I always sucked at testing and um, Cardozo. And it was just like, no, I mean, it's a law high school go there. Yeah. So, you know, it was just feeding and nurturing this from, from, from young. Yeah. From young. I yeah. love it. High schools where I learned, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I thought <laughs> I wanted to be one. Ah, and yeah. then I got it to I've got it to Cardozo, and I was like, "This is gonna be a lot of school." Like, this is what it's like in high school. Let me stick to the creative stuff. <laughs> so uh, yeah, 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 I love it. Okay, mm-hmm. so and then you you touched on another point that I think is interesting is um, mentorship, right? Uh, you said Keith oh, yeah. White showed you a lot um, during the mentorship, showed you contracts and stuff because you, you apparently in law school you don't learn how to write contracts. No, you don't. So I have a few people that have been instrumental in my career. Andrew Brettler, who I met at Simpson, he was the one, he was a first year attorney. I was a paralegal. He knew I really wanted to go to law school. He used to give me stuff to actually do that lawyers were doing Mm. Um, instead of, you know, only doing, you know, what was assigned to me at the time. He actually like, no, you read this and you write, you write this like, so briefs and stuff like that, that I wasn't really getting, um, the opportunity to try my hand at. And then during law school, same thing. Like I knew what I wanted to do, but there were no courses really to prepare you. It's like the contract class in law school tells you the history behind a contract and what makes a contract, mm-hmm. um, which is basically offer and acceptance, but it, and, and consideration, the consideration is the money um, mm-hmm. or the service that you're offering. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to teach you how to draft. So once I got out, you know, there was Keith and then I finally landed that, that, that first big money job in 2015. That was five years after my clerkship and six years after graduation Wow. Mm. where 
um, Larry Schultz, who owned, who owned the firm that I was working with, met him through my GW network because I got my LLM, which is a Master what? of Laws in Intellectual Property. Well, what's a GW? After. Come on, you got to break it down for these people. I don't know. A GW? Right, so. That sounds like a game. <laughs> after, my, <laughs> after my clerkship, my judge realized, she was like, you want you want to do entertainment. You like intellectual property. You need to go get a Master of Laws, something that she had gotten. And that was never really pushed in my, um, I guess, career path or in, in law school. My other mentor, Leah, got her LLM in tax. So she said, I think it's something you should go for as well. And that, that schooling was really different. Um, it was my first uh, uh, predominantly white institution that I had gone to. Hmm. Um, it was easier just because I was already barred. I was already a lawyer. So that pressure of getting that grade wasn't there anymore. It was more so about that, the learning. Yeah. So I took digital, digital law classes, patent classes, trademark classes, copyright classes. So that gave me that extra push. Still no class in drafting contracts though. So through my network at GW, which is George Washington University, mm. um, is how I found the law firm that I worked at, which was uh, Schultz's Law Group in, um, in New York. And so I went there with some background in, um, in contracts, you know, working with Keith, doing my, I had a company for a while called Ground Up Legal. Yes. We'll talk about that in a little while. Um, but I had some background and then ended up at this firm where I ended up doing tech law, which I didn't even know existed. And that was kind of the new trajectory of my career. So I've always been in some kind of intellectual property. Entertainment law falls under that. I still read contracts for um, entertainers, but it merged. My career totally merged. So I was doing tech law for Ernst & Young, JP Morgan Chase, um, Morgan Stanley, some, all, some smaller tech companies for three years. And then I got laid off. And I like to tell this story because I don't want anything, anybody to think that this process is easy because um, it hasn't been easy for me. I got laid off and then used my network and contacts. I was applying for jobs online, which is sometimes like a black hole. And um, I knew somebody that worked at Viacom and she sent, it was actually a cousin of mine and she had sent my resume to Viacom before and no bites when I first got out. And they saw my resume and they were like, where have you been? Wow. We've been looking for you. Wow. Like I applied on your website four months ago. <laughs> you see how important relationships, the relationships yeah. are important. So I interviewed there. I got the job almost immediately. And that was because I had a background in entertainment and a background in tech. And that's what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. They said everybody else who applied only had entertainment background. Nobody would, was doing you know, software deals and software as a service deals. And so that put me right back in entertainment. So it's just been like this back and forth merge. And then recently I got laid off from Viacom. They, they merged with CBS. They did layoffs during the pandemic. I came back after having a baby and two months later I was laid off. Hmm. Um, and then I was interviewing for months. Uh, I'm talking these tech companies now. So Amazon, Google, Disney, which is an entertainment company, Meta, Facebook. I'm talking about days and hours, whole day long interviews. And then I landed a position with um, uh, Facebook at the time, now Meta, through a contract company. 
And it was supposed to be a three month position turned into a year. It's looking like another renewal is coming. And there I'm doing event sponsorships, um, SaaS, which is software as a service, uh, media deals. So it just merged everything. Wow. Um, so when you get, when we start talking, influencer deals is something that a lot of lawyers have not touched. Mm. Um, and it's big now. So influencer deals, entertainment deals, deals with models. I have a client. I still do side deals with clients um, that come to me that I've been working with for years. So, yo, so I kind of want to jump right into influencer deals. That peaked, <sighs> that piqued my interest right there. Like, what, what, what's an influencer deal? Like, what kind of contracts and situations are coming uh, in in that area? So, you know. The, the, the big, I guess the overall want for companies to do these influencer deals is to bring traffic, right? Because if you look at most of these social media platforms, they're pretty much ad platforms at this point. Right. And data is huge. So if you can bring people to our site and they're going to give us their data, that's what we want to do. Um, and it's just become, influencers have become the new commercial. They're the new way to get your product out there. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, right. I think the biggest company to um, capitalize off of this has been TikTok. Um, and now everybody's trying to play catch up because TikTok sped in front of everybody. I think they said for the past 11 years, Google was the number one search engine and TikTok has now surpassed them. What? Um, a little argument like, well, that's not a search engine. It's like, it is because you go on there, there's a bar, you search for what you want and it comes up. Right. So people and, are doing and, more searches on TikTok now than they are Google. Yes. Uh, that's crazy. Wow. And, and TikTok has become a place for recipes, a place for- I was about to say, like, when it comes to cooking, TikTok is at the top. Everybody wanted yeah. to learn how to cook. And, you know, I also think it's because the TikToks are so fast. When you do a Google search, you know, it may be a whole list, recipes that you have to read. But TikTok is visual. And you <laughs> literally see each step of the recipe unfold right before your eyes. And then, yeah. boom, you can cook your meal in an instant. So that makes a lot oh. of sense. Yeah. So, so just taking that as an opportunity, if you go on TikTok and you search something that you're looking for and you can't find, you have now created your stream of income, create whatever it is that you were looking for. That's missing. And yeah, because I'm watching lawyers be lawyers, but also have TikTok pages and, and Instagram reels pages where they're making so much money on the side giving out free legal advice or now how do you um, make money doing that i kind of understand some of it but how do you how do you make money as a lawyer on tiktok giving out free legal advice so you know it's 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 dangerous um in a sense because you're not supposed to give out free legal advice it's something i used to want to do and i couldn't figure out how to do it you can just i guess put the disclaimer out there um because I could give out New York advice and it doesn't apply in all states. Mm. Um, mm. And you're technically, if you're not barred in a state, you're not supposed to give advice in that state. Um, but what companies are seeing again, in, in no matter what kind of influencer you are is people are coming to your page. I want to advertise on your page because right. you have X amount of followers or X amount of engagement. Cause the engagement is bigger than the followers. Right. Right. And there and, and then when you go to somebody's page, you can obviously know like they're interested in this thing that you bring in. 
And this is similar to the product that we sell in or the audience that we want to reach to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I get that. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I get that. Shout out to our sponsors though, real quick. Uh, Sweetwater.com. Let me give it up for Sweetwater for sponsoring this podcast, man. Sweetwater.com, the best place to buy your studio gear, whether you podcasting, whether you doing home studio, you got a commercial studio, whatever you need, Sweetwater.com. Check them out. You feel me? Yes, sir. (laughs) Now back to you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I learned a lot about these influencer deals, you know, working with Viacom. It was my first time seeing the other side of this, and it's a lot of money in this stuff. Um, you know, paying, you know, a hundred grand for a couple of videos because we know that people are gonna watch your page. And and so um, you know, on the on the side of the influencer, you know, just make sure. If you are an influencer, if you're getting into contracts with these major corporations that you have a tight deal and one of the biggest things you want to do, and this is everybody, don't be in contract as yourself, create a business Mm. so that you separate your personal assets, everything from your contracts, from your business. Ding, 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 ding. That's, that is major key y'all. Like start an LLC and make sure all things funnel through that as opposed to, you know, mm-hmm. your personal name and likeness. I love that. What's the dangers in not doing that? Yeah. So especially say you're one of these lawyer influencers or accountant influencers, or even if you're in music and you're an influencer, but you're doing really well in your other streams of income, something happens and someone wants to sue you. If you have everything lumped in one, you give them access to all of that money versus if you're, you know, Lydia Caesar, the earring maker, Lydia Caesar of Married to Music, Lydia Caesar as the singer, Lydia Caesar as, you know, Sauce sauce Records, you have four different entities. Mm. They can't come after every entity at the same time Mm. unless you are co-mingling funds, which is a whole nother ball game. So once you create that LLC, right? You want to say, okay, we're doing an event for Married to Music. We're only using the bank accounts for Married to Music. That's it. Mm-hmm. Once you start, oh, I'm going to just swipe my regular card or I'm just going to swipe the sauce card. Now you got a problem. It's called the, the, a company or a person can, it's called pierce the corporate veil, which means they can, that veil or like a curtain is protecting you mm-hmm. and your personal assets or whatever other assets. But the minute you say, I'm going to swipe this card or, you know, you start mixing those things, they're allowed to go through that curtain and then everything is fair game. Wow. So you really got to keep your business and your assets. Sheesh. So question. That um, is so crazy. So I do a lot of brand deals and partner deals as an influencer. Um, now, my company, my Wavy Wayne Audio Company, are you saying like, so like that encompasses like my studio and then when I do a deal with a with a company, they will cut the check to Wavy Wayne Audio as well. You, are you suggesting that I should probably have a Wavy Wayne media company or Wavy Wayne marketing separate from like my studio and other businesses? And so when I'm doing influencer deals, they strictly are working with my influencer company. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. And she's also saying when you're buying for Wavy Wayne Audio, right. if you use Married to Music podcast card, Right. Even though the deal is through Wavy Wayne, if a company wants to come after Wavy Wayne Audio because of something that went down, 
Mm. Just because just you swiping a card or even just you using your regular bank card. Right. Now they could come after your regular money. Right. Because since I already then pierced the veil, yes, then they can they do can it too. They can pierce the veil too. Yeah. yeah. I see. So Very important. You have a you have a studio where there are people coming in, right? Yeah. So you know what it is when you have human beings coming. It could be something as a slip and fall, right? right? And you know that the studio's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, but Wavy Wayne, the influencer, is making a million dollars a year. You don't want them to have access to that million dollar money. Yeah. Right? You want yeah. Them to have only access to the, the studio money or whatever. I gotta go, yeah. <laughs> Time to set some things up, you guys. <laughs> this podcast is over. Nah, we getting gems, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So keeping those things, you know, when you have bank accounts, like. Pay yourself separately from that bank account. Stop having your savings account linked to your business account and transferring money back and forth. That's bad business. Mm. And so you really need to have those things separate and have an accountant. You know what I mean? Like my accountant, who I met through you, Lydia, Fred Towels, like- He's he your accountant still, I love it. For years, I for years. It. And he keeps, he keeps my business right. He keeps Fernando's business right. And then, you know, anything, anything we have together, it's all separate. And it's like, okay, we have to keep these things separate, file taxes on them separately. Um, but those two things, like everybody wants to start a business. They come to me, LLC, and I say, do you have an accountant? Hmm. Um, because I can set up Quick your books LLC. Don't count. Your... QuickBooks hmm? Quick don't count as your accountant. You need a, a professional. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, once you have that going, but just the advice part yes. of it, yeah. mm -hmm. I can tell you to register an LLC or, you know, a, a corporation or whatever it is in your particular state, but he's going to tell you your tax status and what you need. Mm -hmm. You can be an LLC and be taxed as a S corp or C corp, things that are outside of my realm. And what I have accepted as a person who's now almost 13 years out of law school is I can't do it all. I won't do it all. Mm. I have colleagues to, um, to say, Hey, let me refer you to this person. Cause that's not my area. I think a lot of people think lawyers and, 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 and in practice, it's true. We come out general. We can, we can practice anything, but you got to know what you can and can't do. If I'm not doing criminal law every day, I probably shouldn't be giving somebody advice on, on criminal on criminal law. Yeah, makes sense. And I think when you first come out of school, you, you're just thirsty and you want to do it all. You're hungry. You want to make some money back to pay off those student loans and put some money in your pocket. But after a while you say, nah, this, mm. that's not my realm. I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, not going to do that. Wow. <clears throat> Okay, so let's let's get into something that our viewers may, you know, that may really benefit them. When you're a new artist and, you know, you may get a contract and you may not have, you know, the money to hire somebody, can you run down like a couple like maybe red flags that may jump out at somebody looking at um, an amateur contract, something that, you know, you may get when you're just starting out? Yeah. So I sent some of these to you. Yeah. I don't have my phone. So, so give me the first one and I'll tell you the problem with it. Okay. So the first, um, red flag that you sent to me was a sunset clause. Sunset clause. So again, this came from my mentor, Keith, never knew what this was. Again, I don't know if people 
generally see these things because you don't learn about these really. So if you're in a contract with somebody, say a management contract, right? And your contract is for three years. And you say that during these three years, any business that the manager brings you, they're going to get 10%, 15%, 20% of whatever profit, revenue, money you're making. Um, what happens sometimes in these agreements, it happens with corporations as well, is they want to keep making money off your back. Either by saying, hey, Lydia, you know, we bought you this Coca-Cola deal and um, the Coca-Cola deal is for two years, right? And our contract is for three. Um, but we signed this on the, late, on the latter half of our contract. So my contract with you um, as manager client might expire, but the Coca-Cola contract is going to keep going. Mm -hmm. what, a sun, what a sunset clause will say is if you renew, um, if you renew with uh, Coca-Cola, we want to keep getting paid off that, that deal uh -huh. or it'll phase out like a sunset, right? So it'll say, okay, um, in year four, you're going to pay me 15%. In year five, you're going to pay me 10%. Mm. In year six, you're going to pay me 5%. And it's like, why am I still paying this manager who's no longer my manager? Or why am I still paying this company that I no longer work with? Um, but it's them still trying to make money off of deals that they've brought to the table years and so years later. It's not going to say sunset clause in the contract. You just got to know what to look for. Mm -hmm. Am I still paying them a percentage once this contract is over? Uh -huh. That would be your sunset clause. That is what you need to look for. That is a red flag in a contract. Okay. Hmm. Still getting paid. Contract is three years. You still getting paid in year 10. I don't know. To me, though, I know like, as a look, business. Cause look, because to me, I'm like, look, if I bring something to the table, to that might be something that I'm interested in. Like, it, I, if I built the bridge for you, if you keep crossing that bridge for 20 years, like I built it. Yeah, but you know, yeah, the thing that people need to understand too about contracts is it's both sides. So while I was hearing you talk as from the artist side, I don't want you to still be getting paid off of me 10 years later. Even if you did bring it to the table, if it landed, it's probably because of your relationship and my talent. You deserve mm -hmm. three years of getting paid since you brought it mm -hmm. to the table. But once the three mm -hmm. years is up, if they want to keep renewing with me, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It's because of my talent. So I want to keep you separate. But I also understand as the right. business person, on a business mindset, if I brought the deal to the table, I want to get paid for as long as you're getting paid. So well, I that's the thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what you know, I'm doing in this class that I'm teaching at Central is the, the expertise that I got and the luck that I had working with the law firm is I got to do, do deals on both sides. So I represented the vendor and the client. Uh -huh. um, and so I got to understand who needs what. And you better go into a deal knowing who needs what, right? Mm -hmm. You better go into a deal knowing I'm representing the artist, the sun, sunset clause has got to go out or pushing because I represent the, the, the business or I represent the manager, we need this sunset cause. Yeah. So what you guys are saying is, is totally on point. And you have to know, sitting on the lawyer side, who you are fighting for and what you need in these deals. Yes. Um, and we'll get to that because that applies in all of those red flags that I sent you. Um, right. What side of the table you're sitting on and okay. what you're actually Because it's a negotiation, right? We, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. Man. Because it could go either way. Yeah. What's the Okay, name? so hey. another one of the red flags is the assignment clauses. Okay, so 
Now I'm going to talk for, on, on the artist side again, okay? On the artist side, you do not want an assignment clause in your contract, okay? So what that says is I'm doing a deal with, uh, I, I'll just use Coca-Cola again, right? I'm doing a deal with Coca-Cola. They signed me um, for a, a six-month contract. They're going to pay me out. And that is who my deal is with. What an assignment clause. And again, when you're fighting with the big boys and the big girls, you have less leverage, okay? Mm. And you need to know that. And you need to know, again, never forget early on in my career, it wasn't that early on. It was about 2015 when my then boss was teaching me about contracts and using we's and us's versus the name, Lydia Coca-Cola, right? It's gotta be the name in there. I got a contract from a girl. She was trying to sign on with an agency. The whole contract said, we, us. I went and redlined everything. The contract looked bloody. The agency walked away from her, okay? It was something that I learned early on. I shouldn't have touched that. It wasn't that big of a deal. Mm. All I did was have to put in the preamble of the contract who we and us was and left it at that. I think she wanted to walk away, so she was okay with it. But it's something that now, seven years later, I still haven't let go because I feel like that was my fault. It was an amateur move for me to do something like that. So same thing when you are, as, as lawyers, any lawyers that are listening to this or as an artist, knowing how to fight for yourself, even when you have the representation of a lawyer, hmm. if Coca-Cola is offering me a million dollars and... Um, what clause are we talking about right now? Assignment, assignment clause. Assignment. And Coca-Cola says that they want to assign this contract to Gatorade. Please don't fight that. Please <laughs> okay. be okay with that. You know what I mean? Because what does that mean? That, so that just basically means that if, um, okay, Instagram. Instagram was its own entity, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. then they got purchased by Facebook, who is now Meta. Any contracts that Instagram had with any influencers or any vendors, if they didn't have an assignment clause, once um, the once Instagram was purchased by Thanks. Facebook, they can't necessarily transfer. So an assignment is a transfer to ownership. Okay. So if Married to Music has um, a contract with a vendor, you're saying that if we get purchased by iHeartRadio, all of our contracts can go to iHeartRadio. Okay. If you don't have assignment clauses on the company side, it makes it a lot harder for people to do business for it, with you. Okay. Because it just means you got to go back into every single contract you have and say, hey, we're being purchased by iHeartRadio. We would like to move you over. Mm. Now giving the other person more leverage to negotiate for more money, it makes it harder for the company. Yeah. Okay. However... As the artist, you don't want your contract assigned to just anybody, right? Because I don't know who that person is, right? It it's good if it's a big if it's a big company, but what if it's some old BS company and your contract now automatically belongs to them? So yeah, and then we call it the mom and pop. Like we deal with this in in big companies as well, where you'll have a smaller company say we want to assign, and we say no, we're doing business with you. We want the services provided by you. We're not looking for, you know, Joe Schmo's pop-up shop to now provide us services because you just decided to assign mm. um, this agreement to them. It, yeah. it and I think that would, when you have that assignment, though, as a business, if you have those assignment clauses with your other with companies that you're working with, 
that makes like your value go up, I think, like to whoever might want to purchase your company because they know that they can get all these contracts too. Or they can if they looking at those contracts and they don't have those assignment clauses, then that could be a a problem for whoever the potential purchaser is of your company. Maybe that's why they're looking Absolutely. at you. It's because you have those deals. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it, hands down. So when you have these bigger corporations that are looking to buy or merge or acquire other companies, which is mergers and acquisitions, m and I'm not an expert in that in the least, but in all of the contracts I negotiate, they at least push and say, hey, we're not trying to assign this contract to you know Joe Schmo. We're trying to say, if we are acquired by somebody, we want to make sure we have the ability to take this on. Mm-hmm. And then what most companies will say is, well, give me a list of who that might be. Because if it's a conflict, I want to be able to get out. So then it'll be my job to say, all right, we'll leave that in there, but we need a termination clause that says- Which is, the next, assign- which is the next flag, termination <laughs> clauses. Yeah. So if you assign this contract to somebody that I don't like or somebody that is in conflict to my business, I can get out. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And that's what that's what that you know assignment is. So the, the segue into the termination is you got to know what's happening in your termination clauses, right? Um, we saw this firsthand. This was, I saw this firsthand when I was negotiating an agreement for Lydia uh, many years ago. And she thought she was in a three-year contract and it turned out she was in a seven-year contract. Lord, that was a time. <laughs> what a time we had with that. I was like, wait, who said what now? <laughs> That was crazy. So I'm reading, so I'm reading this clause and, and I'm like, I don't think this is a three-year contract. It looks like this person has the opportunity to renew. Um, it looks like you would have had to terminate this to get out of it and you missed that mark. Mm. Um, it also happened with another client of mine. She had to pay her way out, out of that contract. $10,000 wow. she had to pay to get out of that contract um, so that she can go to another modeling agency. So what happens is um, I would suggest anybody who's looking for management to first don't sign a contract, right? Have a three month, or if you do decide to uh, uh, sign a contract, make sure it's a short-term contract. You want to see that this manager or this agent or whomever is actually doing the work for you. Yes. Right. Because a lot of times everybody's quick to want to sign their almost at a Pootie Tang reference. Oh, <laughs> you can please, so please. The we for the I'm culture. Like, we for the culture. Right. Please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's ready to like sign their name on the dotted line, but but nobody really showed you what they can do. And yeah. a lot of times in these management contracts, you're not requiring the manager to do anything for you. Mm. People want you're to sign so bad. You're signing up to give them 20%. Yeah, you're giving them 20%. You're giving them access. You're giving them power of attorney to negotiate things for you. And they don't have to do anything on the reverse. Mm. So you want to make sure that you read your termination clause. And that says, okay, I like this manager. We're going to go into a year contract. I do not recommend three and two year and anything longer than a year. We can mm. renew in a year, right? Yeah. Um, I love that. That's great advice. One year contracts, yeah. especially in the beginning of Three your months. career. He's, I, <laughs> no, he's, I mean, because I was, uh, I think Erica advised me on that at one point uh, when I was, uh, I had a contract with uh, my manager 
And um, and she was like, yo, why you want to give a one-year contract? Start them off with a three-month, you know? And and then that's what we end right. up changing it up to. Yeah. Um, but so, right. like, and I like the point that you said. A lot of people enter those uh, contracts and they don't um, require anything from the manager. Like, what kind of stuff should you be asking for your manager? Because we always know, like, yeah, you book me a deal and then you get 20% or whatever. But what should the manager be required to do? What's, you know, what kind of stuff should you be asking for if you hiring a manager? Mm. So management of your accounting, um, you know, giving you an accounting, because a lot of times, especially if you're a, a, a huge artist, you have no idea what's coming and going um, into your, your business. Um, so you want to make sure that monthly they give you an accounting of who paid you? What deals are we doing? Uh -huh. What percentages? What payouts? Because a lot of times these contracts give them power of attorney to negotiate for you. Um, they also have just the ability to, to do all of your business and all of your books for you. You need to know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And a lot of these artists don't. And I'm talking about a huge, huge artist that I worked with for some years. And her manager really did a job on her contract um, where her then number one single, he was making, I believe, 50%. And mm. she wasn't. Mm. Um, Jesus. Yeah and, yeah. and he, it's funny because I, I won't say who they are because I met her through him. Mm. I was originally working with him. Um, and I remember at some point he came to me and, um, uh, when it came to, I did her trademark for her and she, I remember at that time he said, I said, who's owning this trademark? And at the time he said her, and I said, great. Now, again, as a woman in business, I'm like, yes, she owns her trademark. As I represent him, I say, are you sure? You don't want 50% of ownership of her trademark, right? right? <laughs> now, fast forward to probably five or six years later, now they're in court and he calls me. Do I own her trademark? I said, no, you don't. She owns 100% of her trademark and her trademark is her name. Like if he would have owned a portion of that, he would have gotten, ooh, big, big, big money. Wow, yeah. you know, which yeah. is, it's, you know, I, I like to, well, something I learned early in my career is that uh, your manager works for you. And a lot of artists don't realize that, that it's not so much about, the manager, like artists want a manager and a big wig manager. And yeah, you know, I want to be a, a, a aligned with this person and all that. But at the end of the day, you're the star, you're the artist. The manager is, their job is literally to work for you. The people get it to, twisted because mm -hmm. in a traditional job, you working for you the work, manager. Yes. And people don't understand that the, that your manager is like, you're the boss of the manager and the manager is supposed to be securing you opportunities. They're supposed to be getting looks for you. Like their whole job is to blow you up. Word. And that's how they're that's what you want to put in the contract. Wayne, as your question and Lydia, as the refresh of what you're saying as the artist, right? What do you want this manager to do for you? Yes. What are your expectations? You're not hiring them for no reason. Right. They're not in the contract. That's yes. what you want. Yes. And if two months in, they haven't landed you any looks. Then that, that's not that's the manager. Yeah. Otherwise, and you're just, getting money for no reason. You that's know, right. And go ahead, E. Just going back to the termination, yeah. you want to make sure that there's no automatic renewals in your contract. Mm. So it'll say to you, okay, this is a one-year contract. 
And depending on which side you are, 90 days before the end of this contract or 30 days before the end of this contract, we come back to the table and we say we want to renew in writing, right? Writing can be an email now. You don't have to sign a whole new contract, but you should probably sign a whole new contract. And we say, okay, we want to renew this contract for another year or another six months or another three months. A lot of times these contracts have auto renewals in them. And the auto renewal isn't for a year. It'll auto renew for the entire length of the contract you already had. So if you had a three-year contract, mm. it's going to auto renew. For and another then three. Jeez. For another three. And how we found out Lydia was in a seven-year contract was because she had already done three years and then it auto renewed. And then it was like option periods or something crazy in there Option period for another year. And that's how we found out she was in for seven years. And we fought with this person to get out of this contract um, because she wanted to move on. And, and you shouldn't do that as a manager. You shouldn't hold on to talent. If they have become beyond what you can offer to them, you got to let them move on. Now, again, you probably want that sunset clause because you feel like, damn, I know they're at the, at the, the brink, right. <laughs> of break. But if you had a good relationship with them, they'll probably keep you on in some manner. Right. But if you're trying to hold on to them and not let them flourish, right. It can be messy. So make sure your termination, um, your termination language does not auto renew that make a lot of sense unless you on the other side <laughs> unless you're the manager like i'm trying to <laughs> yeah. hold on for life <laughs> okay so we have two more indemnities mm -hmm. and ownership of ip okay so indemnification language is something that again i learned being on the corporate side and i really feel like especially with artists that should be in there and the reason being is that you're creating something. Um, and so when, and, and, and this could be more on one side than other, basically an indemnification is a, is a protection against a third party, okay? So I'll give it to you in terms of a technology company. Say I'm developing a piece of software and in that software, I decide to incorporate Amazon AWS or some type of Google service or some type of you know Microsoft Word. Um, and I'm using that to create this piece of software. And I don't tell anybody I'm using that to create this piece of software because I paid for it so I'm able to. Then I go and I sell this piece of software to um, another company and I'm selling it all over. And then it, it turns out that Microsoft comes and says, wait a minute, you used our, our technology in creating your piece of software. We're suing you now and we're suing everybody you sold this to now. Here I am, Erica, here is Microsoft, and here is Facebook, okay? Facebook bought this software from Erica. Facebook has no insight into the creation of this software, but now Microsoft sees the deep pockets. They want to jump over to me, and they want to go to Facebook and sue Facebook directly. I am the indemnifier. I have to indemnify or step in between Facebook and Microsoft. And I have to say, nope, Facebook had no idea. I'm protecting Facebook. Microsoft, you have to sue me directly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this is important in creative because you might write a song. You might write a movie. You might produce something. And guess whose music you used to produce a song? 
you decided I'm going to go use an old sample. Nobody knows what this is. I used to listen to my grandfather's music and I'm going to pull some old sample that he used. Okay. And I'm the producer and I produced this song and I gave it to Lydia and she is writing and she made this dope song over this beat mm. and she blew up. And now here comes this artist, this artists, the company who made that original sample, like with Robin Thicke yeah. and Marvin Gaye's estate, and that. they listen, and they listen, and they said, that's our song, okay? Lydia had no idea. Now they're suing Lydia. You need to make sure in the contract between you and that producer, there was an indemnity in there, uh -huh. because you need to protect yourself and say, wait a minute, I didn't produce this song. I didn't and make I didn't the know. beat. Wow. I didn't pull, I didn't slow it down. I didn't hear it. I, I, I didn't understand because I never listened to that artist a day in my life. I would have never been triggered to know that this song sounded similar. You need to be protected. Mm. So you need to be in, in these types of situations. You need to have indemnity clauses in your contract. And so you said so that the, artists, the artist will have an indemnity clause in the contract that with the producer. Yes. So um, that if the producer gets sued, that they, they can't sue the artist. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that actually happened with a, a a track I was working on with Jim Jones and Ashanti. I'm a, it's public knowledge, so I'm gonna put it out okay. there. The track that I recorded. <laughs> yeah, basically the producer used some sample and then the originators of that sample sued the producer, Jim Jones and Ashanti. Ashanti turned around and sued Jim mm. because she featured she was like a feature, a feature on the song. So she sued him because she got sued. It was all yep. and it was all a mess. There it is. You own a clothing line. Um, I dealt with this and I hope that, you know, I know this is music, but I hope, I know that a lot of um, things merge when yeah. it comes to music. Oh, yeah. And a lot of artists will have a clothing brand or something. So one of the bigger things I dealt with early in my career and I just, whoo, I, I didn't have that confidence that I do now. Um, and so I had a client and he was from North Carolina. He had this really cool clothing line. And he had the gift of gab. So he was able to get the clothing on somebody who went on 106 and Park at the time. And the name of the clothing company um, was had the initials N-E. And so they put it on a cap. And he was this like really small person in North Carolina. And here came New Era. Uh -huh. New Era comes, cease and desist letters. Um, they for trademark infringement, and he's like, "Whoa, like, what am I doing? I, I, I just, I, I want to wear a sweatshirt, <laughs> right, right." So I look at the mark that he created; looks nothing like New Era. There is no so the whole thing with the trademark infringement is is it likely to confuse people? Likelihood of confusion is the big big reason why people fight over trademarks. If I look at his. N-E on this hat, am I going to be confusing it with new era? And it, there was no confusion, but he didn't have the bread. So as much as I tried to fight for him, mm. after a while, I was like, I wasn't getting paid on this. This was somebody referred him to me and it was like, oh, we'll, walk, we'll work together in the future. And it's just like, you got me fighting huge law firms right now right. in a huge brand in new era. And after about a year, it's like, we can't do this anymore. And he had to sign and he had to say he wouldn't use his logo on a hat anymore. And it was devastating. So now I tell people like, okay, um, you know, don't go and throw somebody else's logo on your hat because you think it's only going to sell in the hood. Right. 
Because yeah. all you need, especially with social media, all you need is the right person to throw your baseball cap on. And now here comes some giant corporation coming after you and you do not have the bread to fight them. Right. Um, and you don't want to go and fight them. So yeah, it's, it's really like making sure you protect yourself, you know, making sure that you have these indemnification clauses in there to say, okay, I threw, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm using Charlie Brown's logo on my hat and I have the permission from that company to, to use, use it. Now, I, I kind of want to get in one thing. I know you got another red flag, but no, I think was... we had an important, oh, that was the last one. Yeah. Cool. I think we had an important part to where I want to understand now, you said it's, it's expensive to have a lawyer, to hire a lawyer and stuff could go on for months or years, you know, in, in, in court or whatever. How, how, what do you, what's the advice to somebody? Like how much should they be expecting to spend? Should they have a lawyer on retainer if you're an artist or if you have a business, should you have, what, what's, what do that look like if you, if you don't, yeah. Basically, know. talk to the artist right now who's watching this that has no money. They have a contract yeah. and they need to try to understand it. What what would you suggest that they do? You have to spread that, spread that bread. You have to and spread that bread. Have to. Um, you know, early on in my career, I created a company called Roundup Legal and it was for the artists. Again, this came from me being around Lydia, going to her shows seeing how many artists there were and saying, okay, I, I can do this. Like I can create this business model, particularly for the artists working with businesses from the ground up being their legal. Um, and after a while, Keith was like, this is not sustainable. Like this is not going to carry you and all these student loans you have and feed your family. I had no family, no kids back then. It didn't matter to me. I felt good. Like, oh, I signed somebody up, make 200 bucks. Like this feels good. But after a while, I realized like, I'm giving them the lawyer, right? LegalZoom gives you paralegals. LegalZoom has software now that's processing everything you send them. So you're paying them maybe $100 or whatever. I don't know what their model is, but you're not really sitting on the phone and getting uh, legal advice. advice. It's all so they can afford to do that. Um, after a while, it, it just wasn't, it just didn't make any sense anymore. You know, I'm filing these trademarks. I was, I was charging people 300 bucks for a trademark and then having to go through all of their like, because with trademarks, if you have some obscure trademark, you're good. If you have anything that people can mistaken, you start to have to go through um, sometimes a prosecution with the trademark, a lot of back and forth, and you didn't factor that into your, your model. And I'm probably speaking more to newer lawyers right now. Um, you know, you got to charge what people are charging. So most, I was charging 300 for a trademark. Most people are charging 1500 for a trademark. And so I was at a disservice to myself, mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to help the artists. It was, it was just super important to me. So if you can find somebody who, I still give out a significant amount of free legal advice against my better half's <laughs> judgment. Man, I think, of course, of course he does. Shout out to the free legal advice that we can get. <laughs> <laughs> y'all better come to this podcast episode. Hey, this podcast right here is worth a hundred grand. It's the one, y'all. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just part of the game. And then sometimes I'm like, wait a minute. I had this one girl, one, one woman who 
she was asking me for years for advice and I'm giving it to her. And finally, when she was ready to move forward and I had a real contract, she didn't want to pay me. And I said, I've been giving you advice for years and you're upset that I charged you. I think it was maybe $1,500. I mean, I'm talking about hours of contract negotiations I did for her mm. and didn't like, oh, let me bill you for these trademark advice I gave you years ago and bad blood. And, you know, I have a, a my hairdresser, Gab, Gabby, she's in business. And she said, you know, here's what I want you to do. You made a mistake. It's all right. Going forward, have a little email or a little, you know, text message that you pop up, say, hey, it was great talking to you. These are my fees. Okay. And if they want to move forward and they're serious, they will. I have one client, she just pays, like it's no issues with her. Mm -hmm. Um, no chasing her down for the money, but she's got a thriving business as well. Um, so, so basically what you're saying you is know, there's, there's, you're going to have to pay if you, if you, you're gonna if, have to pay. it's, it's going to cost you. And I mean, and I figured, honestly, I figured that would be the answer because, um, you know, it takes a lot to get to where you are as a lawyer. Like it takes, it's a big investment in education, sure. right? So lawyers, you can't necessarily expect them to just give you legal advice for free. You've seen what these contracts look like. It takes time to read through and comb through and look through every line and, and see what's missing. So if you really, you know, if, if the contract means that much to you, it, it's probably worth you investing in yourself and your career to make sure that you're not getting screwed over. Is the That's it. Is the long and short of it. Word up. I mean, I think if it's money, if it's a contract coming to you, that means that it's some money because you don't sign your name unless you're giving money, you're getting money. That's right. what my mama told me a long time ago. So if we talking about a contract, then that means it should be some kind of money. Now, if you're negotiating a contract for somebody, let's say somebody approached me for a hundred grand deal. I'm like, all right, look, can't I don't got the money yet, but if this deal go through, can I pay you once it goes through? Would you Yeah, yeah, some lawyers will do that. I mean, that's the whole personal injury model. Um yes. personal injury lawyers, they get paid on the back end. They yeah. just take a percentage. So that's the thing. You gotta say to yourself, do I wanna pay this lawyer an hourly rate to negotiate this contract or do I wanna pay them a percentage of my deal? Uh-huh. Um and you know, personal injury, they're usually 33 and a third. That's what they take. So you make a hundred thousand dollars off that slip and fall, they're taking thirty thousand dollars from it, right? Mm -hmm. So you say to yourself, okay, I got this hundred thousand dollar contract, you know, this lawyer to protect themselves because they're gonna be doing a lot of work for you. Do I wanna say, you know, okay, here's a percentage that I'm gonna charge you? You gotta make sure that they're not like, you know, playing you or overcharging you. It's so much in this this business with, you know just the games and, and things like that and people not being transparent and honest, but you know, it's what you may run into when you don't have that upfront money. Yeah. So, um, so, so how do you feel about like, what's the best way to find a good lawyer? Would you say like referrals is the best way? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it like that. It is. Yeah. Because that yeah. way you at least have, you know, if you go to somebody you trust, and ask for a lawyer referral. That way you at least have that person that if it all goes down, you can always be like, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> who did yeah. you refer me to? Yeah, so it's the referral network. If you're going to a reputable studio, like you got a studio, you already know that, you know, Lydia and Wayne have been in the game for long enough for them to refer me to a good lawyer mm -hmm. um, if I need somebody to talk to. And for me, it'll be like, okay, I don't do that, but I'm gonna refer you out to somebody else. Now you've created a network of lawyers. Um, but like, 
you know, don't go to a real estate lawyer asking them to look over your entertainment contract. Mm. Don't go to, you know, some criminal lawyers do both. I've seen that over the years, but make sure that they know what they're doing. Keith is one of those people that knows what he's doing and he does both, but he's been doing it for a long time now. So he has the, the visibility yeah. into, and the knowledge into what goes where. I still go to Keith at times. Um, you know, Fernando ended up bringing along with him people who were, you know, everybody in the hood is an artist. So after a while, it was just like, no, nah, I can't do these. Send these to Keith. Keith has the better eye. Let him negotiate these agreements. Let him draft up these contracts for you because I just don't have the eye for that anymore. Um, and so, but again, it's it, that comes with the experience of knowing what you can and can't do yeah. and knowing that it's going to, I'm going to end up overcharging this person because I had to do so much research into figuring out what this was. Yes. Um, and, and, and stuff like that. So just finding that right network mm-hmm. so that, you know, you're going to, and be ready to be ready to pay. You, if you're not ready to pay, go on legal zoom. <laughs> you got go and, and you got to pay them too, though. You still got to pay yeah. them, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you may pay them less, but you, you basically gonna get what you pay for. So, and then sometimes do you, I guess you would just, um, like legal advice sometimes you just need, right? So you just want to be able to talk to somebody like you and, and get some insight on stuff. Like you giving us a, a, a wealth of advice today, but like people don't have those relationships to be able to call somebody up and be like, hey, I, I, I got a question. Then you got to call up, find a lawyer and, and then pay them for that hour that you need to talk to them. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, see, I aligned my life perfectly. I said, let me marry <laughs> Me marry an engineer. Oh man, I see what's going on. <laughs> My best friend is a lawyer. Okay. We got it. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but no, that's no, but like even even again, TikTok. It's a resource now. You know what I mean? There are a lot of lawyers. I'm sure there's some entertainment lawyer. Again, and if there's not, maybe there's the niche right there for you to create for yourself. Maybe I'll start doing it with tech. I- I was about to say, say, can people reach out to you and uh, you got a a number they can book a call with you or something? Yeah, of course. Like if for that, yeah, we can, we can book an hour, we can book a half an hour and talk about whatever it is you need to talk about. But if you don't have the money, go find the resource, use the internet. It's out there. Somebody is out there giving the information to you. It may take a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. Do I suggest negotiating on your own behalf? No. Just like I wouldn't tell somebody to to represent themselves in court. I wouldn't represent myself in court and I'm a lawyer. I wouldn't do that. Like you need though that expertise, just like you want to have a good engineer, Mm -hmm. just like you paid for all that marketing, just like you paid for the t-shirt you created. Pay for all them chains, but you can't pay for pay a lawyer. Come on now. Yeah. yeah. Uh oh. It got it got real quiet on the podcast. Oh, what? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying the people watching would probably be like, "Ooh, yeah, she right. <laughs> she right." And everybody's, you know, team this and music group that, and everybody in the team got some big chain on their neck, but nobody's protected. There's no good contracts. Mm. Um, you know. Oh, they protected. Are... <laughs> they got protected. They got the straps. <laughs> Get the straps. You got the pretend. <laughs> oh man! So I, I think it's time we switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and start to, to Wait, dive. There was off. one more. L. Oh. I think there was one more. No? It was one. Oh oh IP. Yeah. Ownership of IP. Protect your intellectual property. Artists. This is probably the biggest, biggest, biggest part. 
of a contract of what you're doing. Some of this stuff is super simple. You don't need a lawyer to file a trademark. Should you get one? Yes. Is it something you can do by yourself? Absolutely. You don't need a lawyer. And this is the cheapest part of things is to do a copyright. Go and copyright your lyrics. Go and copyright your production. Copyright it, protect yourself. Because even in these contracts, sometimes you'll have managers who want access to that. They want a piece of your IP. Protect yourself. Look for that in a contract. It might say that they get ownership of your IP. Um, IP when is intellectual, intellectual property. property, you guys. Write that down. That's right. very important. And that includes what? Like if you, the lyrics to a song, the beat you might make, a video, whatever it is that you create. Um, your everything ideas, you, your thoughts. <laughs> everything you create. And later on, we're going to have to do this again for NFTs. I'm like learning this. Oh, we lining NFT. that up. Yes. I took a CLE on that the other day. It's something that I've been um, encouraging young lawyers to get into that world because it is developing as they're developing. Um, but your IP is worth something. Intellectual property. If you think about real estate and that property you have a house, it's tangible, intellectual property in some, some ways does not feel tangible, but mm. it is, it yeah. is everything you make. When you are an artist, that IP is your bread. Yeah. When you hear somebody's song on, on, on a commercial, they license that. Somebody paid them for that. If you're not protecting yourself, they will grab that song and use it. And you have no ground, no protection. Now you're like hustling backwards. You're now trying to go register something, which they probably have already registered. And now you have to prove, and now you got to go to court and pay money. You have to fight. You have to fight. And you know, I'm not talking about state court. I'm talking about federal court because intellectual property is a federal copyright, trademark, patents. Those are federal things. Yeah. Now you got to yeah. try and go for a federal lawyer. Good luck. It would save you a little bit. Of because if you hear your IP and somebody's using it and you've registered it correctly, and I'm not talking about uh, trademarks. Some people have state level trademarks, federal level. Hmm. Go register it. Hmm. Because if somebody is using your trademark and it looks similar and you have that mark, you are going to be able to fight. I think $125,000 that you would automatically get for copyright infringement before wow. you even start fighting. Wow. So you have to protect yourself. I've seen it. I have somebody who, oh my God, family, Slim Pickens, archives and archives of Biggie and Tupac, every artist you can think of. And it's like, I remember we saw, he hit me up. I saw an image of mine being used in Ebony. Oh, okay. Let me call the lawyers over at Ebony. Let's get you your bread. Like, that's you like, can't you, do, you remember when we got... <laughs> We got paid that one time. It wasn't much, but the they, they used lottery in, in some news in Nebraska or something. I called up Erica. We got a little check. You Yo, know, little we got a little check. So I want to know, you said something real quick. You said that if somebody infringes on your trademark, it's like an automatic $125,000 penalty or what? One twenty-five. I think it's a copyright. I have copyright. to, I'll have to come back and, and refresh on that one, but I believe okay. it's a copyright. Like, if you registered it properly and somebody wouldn't in, in infringed on you, you get that bread. So oh. you have to, because if you don't, you are, I keep saying like hustling backwards, meaning now you have to figure out what do I need to do? How do I prove this? I don't know who told people back in some time. That you could marry that yourself. I knew he was going there. It's that ghetto trademark, dude. Mail yourself the CD. 
<laughs> I, I definitely did that in the beginning. Definitely. I don't know where that came from. I'm not really sure. Even in the copyright courses I've taken, I've never heard of that as being a thing. That's some hood news. Don't just go. It's easy now. It's it's copyright.gov. Mm-hmm. Used to be have to call Library of Congress copyright.gov go up on there upload your song upload whatever and that's it you got a script upload it i wrote a script it's on there it's on um copyright and uh there's another one uh what is it it's called wga i can't remember what it is well we'll put it in the description though because okay whatever i found out could protect myself i did it Because you just never know who your stuff can fall in the hands of and they love it and they're going to use it. There are people, I think it's, um, I think it's the Matrix movie and and this black woman got paid out all these years later. I think it's the Matrix Mm. just because her script got out there Mm. and you can sign NDAs with people. That's a whole nother thing we we will talk about, I guess, another time. But the NDAs, usually people put a five-year limit on an NDA. If Mm. you can do a lifetime NDA, do that. Mm. Non-disclosure agreement, you guys. That's Sorry, NDA. Guys. Non-disclosure okay. agreement, which means I come to you and I have this phenomenal idea, but you're going to ex- help me execute it because you are somebody who can draw or you are somebody that knows how to develop software. Right. You need a non-disclosure agreement so this person doesn't run with your idea Facts. and it protects you. And Facts. I would suggest doing a lifetime non-disclosure agreement instead of five years. Most people have a five-year cap on those. Um, or if you have a song idea or a video, whatever it is. Right. Cause you're going to need help. You got them people. Now, sign is this a myth though? It. Because I, I've been told, I don't know if it was like a professional or something, but I've been told that, uh, as long as your idea is, uh, put into with like a fixed tangible medium, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so let me, like, if I got a song idea, if I record it, and then it's in the, it's on the hard drive. It's fixed, tangible medium. Then that technically, it is copyrighted, but it's not registered with the federal government. But I do have some type of protection because I have that that creation. Oh. I think that comes into the proof, don't it? Like, okay, maybe, but then you still have to go to court and prove it through the hard drive and spend right. mo- spend all that money. And that's why NFTs is going to be important because we're going to put it all on the blockchain, and then it's going to be we ain't got to talk about it. But but yeah. did did I answer that right or or you did? It's it's the uphill battle, yeah. right? Because in certain in certain countries, trademarks are whoever is first to file. Other other areas is who's first to use the mm. trademark. Um, um, first to file is is huge. I believe United States is first to file. Um, so you want to file that. And if I'm wrong, I will correct myself in the comments. It's been a long time since I took that course. Um, but file your stuff and make sure your lawyer is backdating it to when it was first used because that comes into play as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I could only imagine like if, if, if there's a fight about some lyrics or something, you know, and, and I, can, I can prove with the hard drive date right. my, that I did this five years ago. And and the hard drive you bring is two years ago. I'm gonna win, but we have to take that to court, right? Which costs it money, right. lawyers, get in that. front of a judge, and and all of that. And you can avoid all that by just getting it registered out the gate. Yeah, getting yeah, your copyright. So much, mm-hmm. it's so much. And again, it's using a lawyer because a lot of these companies they have back software running, so they know when their stuff is being infringed. It'll pop up, and there's a lawyer who sits there and reads emails daily 
about a possible infringement of a trademark or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it seems like YouTube is incorporating it where they'll now block us, block something you tried to post yeah. because a song comes up. Copyright um, so claim, that thing come up quick. So there's, yeah, so there's <laughs> software. You can look at a font and say, mm. if I'm creating a beverage, I better not use Coca-Cola's font. Yeah. Because if, if, I don't care if the beverage is called whatever it's called, if it looks like Coca-Cola's font, then that's a likelihood of confusion for people to think that is their new beverage. Yeah. So it's really deep to have people with a keen eye, to have good lawyers to say, that looks similar. I've done it a lot. Well, somebody will send me stuff at something and I'm like, that looks similar to something I've seen before. Mm. Who created this for you? Mm. Or a lot of people get logos done on these logo websites. On, on Fiverr. <laughs> Fiverr or just plain logo websites. And it's like, did you pull that? Did you buy it now? Did you, there's other files that you can buy. Did they pull it off the site now? Or is somebody going to go and create a logo that looks just like yours? Yeah. So it's, it's, um. And then that could be a thing too, because you, you hire somebody to create a logo for you, but do you really own that logo or do they own the logo? Right. You know, because that, that can get off into a whole nother thing. Yeah. I think that happened with like uh, the, the guy with the, I think the Michael Jordan picture or something like that. It was something crazy. Nike had to go to war. That's with, your but, contract. Yeah. That's your contract. Again, make sure the person who is developing something for you, you are in contract with them. Yeah. So that if you end up seeing a logo similar to yours in a year, you say, wait a minute, what is this? Mm. You told you an artist and then you find out, oh no, well, I use software to develop my logos. Oh, okay. So, so now you now, got my now, logo looking like everybody else. But it's cool because I got an indemnity clause. So once that, once they try to come to me, you can go into the designer, go on over here because he the one made it. I'm cool. Right. So right. on the flip side of that is there's another clause in the contract that says you develop this, mm. right? Because an indemnity is not going to help you against the person who's creating it in that sense. You want to make sure there's something in the contract that says when I wrote this song, when Lydia wrote this song for Beyonce, that Lydia created this song. Because if you didn't and that person comes after me, I need to go after you, right? So it's like, you're certifying that this is your work. Mm. You want that label maker, that trademark maker to certify that this is their work. Yeah. Because okay. if it's not, I need to sue you right. for you creating or you or, or do creating something for me that you didn't really create from scratch. Okay. Man, so wow. much, so much. I mean, we could do this for hours. So much, but we gotta, we gotta, we can't get them forever, man. They gonna have to uh, call Erica on her hotline and uh, pay that hourly fee if y'all want too much more of all of this. Okay. So, I mean, we can pivot into that. We we talked about the music. We talked about money. For sure. Now we're just going to do a couple questions about marriage because Erica is a married woman and a boss <laughs> mom. Boss mom, boss that. So, um, but you have two questions. I'm going to ask mine. And then Wayne came up with a really great question. So I just want to know, like, being a working mom, two small children, how do you juggle it all? You know, being a wife and a mom and being a professional with... Six jobs, she don't get tired. I'm sure she gets tired. Tell, tell our viewers, like, you know, your what does your balancing act look like? Uh, so <laughs> my therapist just asked me this the other day and I couldn't answer her. Um, mm. I think that Fernando and I have become more aligned as of recent. You know, we've done some work on our marriage because you come into this and there are no assignments, right? Who does what? 
Um, and when you're two people that are working hard, um, you can feel like, well, I got in late, so that's not my job tonight. And you can feel like, well, I've been here all day. I might work remotely, but I'm still working. So I need you to pick this up. So we've gotten to a point where it's like, all right, I'm going to cook. You're going to do the dishes. That's just our, that's our, I don't even know if I should call it a silent contract anymore. It's kind of one of these things where we've had to kind of lay it out and say, this is what I need your help in. Mm. Um, Lucas being in school is a help because I have silence during the day. Um, that's new. He's just turned five. So before last year and the year before in the depths of that pandemic with a newborn, it was difficult. Yeah. Um, it was really, really difficult. I just added this course on now teaching. I'm not quite sure how I'm balancing it yet. Um, mm. But we are, you know, teamwork, like that's what we've had to do. Just having a baby, like I realize how, I guess I become vulnerable when something happens and he steps in and we teamwork really well. So like the baby had an explosion in the tub the other night and I was like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I could deal with throw up, can't deal with poop. So he's laughing and we drain the tub and we teamwork and he scoops it out and then I go and clean the tub and it was just like, who else was gonna help me do this but him? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is my teammate when it comes to stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I'm in the kitchen cooking, I love to cook. You come in and you give me a kiss, you slap me on the butt. Like, you let me know, or you tell me at the end of that <laughs> meal how good that meal was. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I need that. Or like, you got to take out the garbage and clean the kitchen. All right, I'm doing baths or he's doing baths. It's really like teamwork. Yeah. And I'm not really sure how people do marriage with children without teamwork. Um, mm -hmm. because I can't do it all and I don't want to do it all. I'm not trying to wear the superwoman cape and say, oh my God, I, I have this prestigious position as a professor and I have this, you know, top tier job at a tech company, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And I, do, I have no desire for that. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm married for the partnership. I'm married for the love and had children with that in mind. Um, my dad was hands-on with us with my mom and that was my expectation too so that and, and then we just hired a nanny <laughs> <laughs> and then shout out to the and nanny and then there's a nanny <laughs> so you said something she starts, starts on monday so i haven't had that okay. yet but i'm thinking that that's gonna be oh some help. that's gonna be so sweet okay congratulations in advance word Thank up you. <laughs> um, yo you said something um you said a, a that y'all basically a silent contract. You do the dinner and he do the dishes or, or something like that. Now, do you think a silent contract work or do it need to be a, a, a vocalized thing? That's why thing? she Is said not something? so much silent anymore. Right, right. so like you, you, did y'all realize that, hey, we can't just assume that, you know, you know what's understood is un don't need to be said. Like, it, that ain't a thing. No, nah, there's none of that in marriage. I think that you have to be vocal in the things you need. You have to communicate. That's silent. Oh, I'm I'm mad and, and I'm going to be quiet. He's going to know why I'm mad. You better throw that out the window. It Period. doesn't work. It don't. Because people are sometimes in their own world. They can't check into your stuff too. Say and I don't, that, yeah, it doesn't matter that you're married. It's sometimes like I am stressed out right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, and he's being quiet. Okay, cool. But he's right. really pissed off, but right. I don't know. You got to tell me. I have come into this new world of transparency. I say everything. This is what I need. Can you provide this for me? You know what I mean? I need you to know, like, I used to feel like I'm cooking dinner. 
he knows what time it is. How come he doesn't bathe then? Because he's doing something else. He's playing so GTA. Give me a break. No. Stop the cat. Stop the cat. <laughs> I gotta say, like, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm bathing. I'm I'm doing dinner. Can you bathe them? All right, yeah. cool. I got you. Um, so that's so true though. Like, it, I mean, it's just communication. It comes down, it boils down to not just communicating, but communicating effectively, you know, saying what it is that you need, um, saying it out loud, not saying it in your mind and being mad that your partner doesn't, can't read your mind, which tends to happen in a lot of relationships. So there's no mind reading. Sorry. I had the, the, the recording. Um, and sometimes you got to come back to the table and renegotiate. Right. So we're talking about merging my career with understanding marriage. I got married for love. I didn't have, you know, I, just like, how did I bring my career into this? No, I, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about, you know, some people, oh, marriage is just a contract. I can't stand people who say stuff like that. And most of the people who say that aren't married and want to be married, want to fall in love. And they are upset that they're in relationships with somebody who doesn't believe in marriage. So mm. they yeah. sign up for that construct. I don't believe in that. You know, I think they are, I think it is a partnership. I think there is love involved. I think that you need to be, fluid and willing to move and and, and change say that who we were in 2007 when we got married is not who we are in 2022 mm. with now two children a bonus child for me um his business is booming my career is thriving we we're changed so we got to come back to the table Therapy has worked for us in that manner. Just checking in. Fernando and I are like, you know, city mouse and country mouse. We don't always communicate in the same way. And the way he shows love, sometimes it's, I don't get it. And so it's taking a third and fourth party um, to say, you don't hear what he's saying to you. He's telling you he loves you. And I'm like, ah, nah. you say I love him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so understanding each other and being able to come back to the table and renegotiate and say, okay, you know, we're doing, we're in a really good place financially. Should we hire somebody? Hell yeah, let's do this. It'll take something off both of our plates. And now we can pay a little bit more attention to each other or have some side time individually if we need. Yeah. Uh, you know, date nights are like non-negotiables. We right. need that every yeah. week. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's Lucas will say, you know, go take your date night in the basement because- <laughs> You know, I created this whole lounge space and it's like, damn, our childcare just canceled up on us. But that time together is important. So if I can think about my career now and think about marriage, it's like, you know, be transparent with what you need, write it down if you need to, write a contract if you need to between the two of y'all and be able to renegotiate when the situations change and evolve and, you know, life comes and smacks you in the face. Word up. Yo, uh, my question, I, you kind of touched on a lot of the stuff that I was, um, that, that I feel like you would say on uh, as an answer to my question. But what I was thinking was like, how has you uh, being a lawyer and, and everything you know about law and contract, how has that affected your decision to get married? And then also like how, you know, the marriage flows, how, if it has that had any impact on, you know, how you look at marriage? You know, uh, my decision to get married, you know, had nothing to do with, you know, that, like, I don't know, maybe if I was worth millions, a prenup would have come into it. I think that's something that people should think of. If you talk to Chris Rock, he says, 
the people that own that that make forty, fifty thousand, thirty thousand dollars a year need to have a prenup more than than the billionaires because half of thirty thousand will leave you hungry. Walks <laughs> 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 away. I, I can't you know afford I mean? to give up half. You know what I mean? Dr. Dre gave away a hundred million dollars and he's got balloons that says divorce as F. Like he's all right giving away a hundred million. But you know, you having to give away half of your thirty thousand dollars is gonna be serious. It's gonna be that is a, such an amazing perspective on that. Wow, that's you know, um, but no, it, it it didn't it didn't play a part at all. I mean, I guess if you talk to Fernando, he would say that this parts of my personality and parts of my you probably argue different. You probably be in there. Well, actually, uh, if we refer yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the. <laughs> <laughs> Like, dang, you know, I mean, he's in sales. So <laughs> I would definitely say that parts of our profession bleed into the marriage. And it's not always great. Yeah. Um, you know, I need proof for everything. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like, uh, relax. Like, you don't need proof for everything. I said what I said, and, and this is what it is. Um, so I've had to dial back or like when he talks, it's like, and I'm like, yo, bro, slow down. Like, <laughs> Someone I'm trying to process what you're saying. You're not selling me right now, just talk. So yeah. we've had to learn that, like, it's part of you, it's who you are, you know, a major part of who you are is what you do professionally, um, but it doesn't always have a place in your marriage. Um, and you gotta be able to turn that off. Yeah. Uh, I think as a woman, when you are, you know, in boss-like positions in your career, you gotta dial that back when you're dealing with your husband um, because it doesn't have a place. Um, and, and same with, with your husband, it's like, you know, if you are in this boss type position, you got to dial it back and treat me tender. I don't need to be talked at or anything like that. So it's learning, learning those things, um, being okay with it. I got married later in life, had children later in life. So, you know, I was very career driven, still am. Uh, So, you know, I was not ever the little girl that oh, I can't wait to get married when I grow up or have kids. That was, I wanted to be a lawyer. And so when I met Fernando, I was like, oh, I really like this guy. I would have a child or two or four with him. <laughs> um, but that it wasn't, it wasn't me. So I had to learn, mm-hmm. even though I saw marriage, my parents were married 30 some odd years before my dad passed. Like I had to learn, I'm learning how to be mm-hmm. a wife and a career woman in these boss positions and just, learn to dial it back, let him be in control, be vulnerable, and swap those positions at times. Yeah. Word up. I love it. Yo, shout out to you. Shout out to Eric, Yo, we learned so much. I feel like, you know, I'm, I got some work to do. I appreciate you putting us on to game. Yeah. Uh, this episode is definitely, it's, it's like... One for the history books, for sure. And I knew it would be. All right. Me and my, right. you know I had to have my wife on the podcast. Stop the cat. Oh. Stop the cat. There we go. Listen, listen, Erica, no play. Don't let me post anybody else on my story like a girl like, hey, lunch with lunch with my boo. She'd be like, excuse me, who, who's that? Yo, Erica, with all the gems that you dropped on us, like, uh, can you let people know where they can contact you? Maybe if some people want to talk to you, follow up with you, hire you, like, where, where can they find you? Um, I am, what am I on Instagram? Erica Grace <laughs> Martin. I don't even know. That's okay. terrible. We'll put it in um, the uh, description. <laughs> yeah. And drop yeah. an email. Like a, like uh, a, like Erica a work. Grace Martin at gmail.com. 
Okay. Is my email. Don't, don't hit her up without I trying was, to ask for free advice. I was though. just about to say you better have your budget together. Okay, don't be don't be stalking my best to talk about. Can I get some free advice? Yeah, this is all the free. Run this podcast episode back. This gonna be all the free advice y'all can get. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yo, Erica, thank you so much for uh, taking for the time out me. to join us. Yeah. Yo, we out of here. Married to Music podcast. Hey. Getting our M's up. We're not trying. Money, marriage on a Monday. Doing that thing. Marry some music. Ah, peace out, y'all.